0: Hi, I'm Hannah and I'm Sarah and this is Big Small Talk.
1: This is the podcast where we try and cover the entirety of the news cycle, from the serious to the frivolous, all in one place. Because loving pop culture doesn't mean you
0: don't understand politics.
1: And today we're going to talk about the voice to parliament, the Cyrus family feud, employment law changes, the Hollywood strike, Qantas and Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner.
0: But first, we would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Gadigal people, and pay our respects to elders past and present.
1: Before we get into the headlines... Do you have a personal headline of the week? I do.
0: So, uh, this is so this is cu- so cute. I got an email on Sunday night at like 9:30 p.m. from a mum, but it was from her email account, but it was a th- boy in year 3 named Zachary <gasps> who had to do a presentation in class on an influential Australian and he did me. <laughs>
1: That is the cutest thing so I've ever He sent
0: me the PowerPoint and I put it on my Instagram story. and made I literally sobbed. And then all my family members like messaged me from the video of me sobbing and they're like, This is so ugly. Queen, you <laughs> look so bad when you cry. Keep you humble. Yeah. And then my favourite cheek follower, who's 89 years old, messaged me and said, You look so honest when you weep, Hannah. I love, when you weep. that's She's my favourite cheek follower. She's 89. She's an absolute slay queen. Anyway. Remind me to use that word more because weep is just so much more dramatic. So much more dramatic. <laughs> but anyway, the update is for everyone. I got a message from Zachary's mum, Emma, this morning that he was supposed to do the presentation yesterday and I'd emailed him back and he'd included that in the presentation <gasps> as an update. But I got the message this morning that Zachary got really anxious yesterday when he had to give his presentation because he's so scared of getting up in front of the class that he went to sickbay instead, which... If you're listening, Zachary is totally understandable and normal. And slay to you for knowing you weren't feeling good and getting out of there. But I'm just. It's just the
1: cutest thing I've ever heard. The best
0: part of him was that in his email, Zachary said at the end of the email, I think my mum is in love with you, but she is married. And then just bye in caps lock. <laughs> Zachary, I love Zachary. That PowerPoint, Zachary's being raised well. Honestly, that PowerPoint could end wars. Like, Zachary's mum, Australian of the Year. Go Emma. We love Emma and Zachary. I'm going to meet them at some point, I'm <gasps> you sure. You have to meet them. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. they're, they're my queens for the week. Thank you. Shout out. What's yours? Oh...
1: I have no, no presentations for me. (laughs) I don't even know. Nothing's really happened for me this week. I've been in just like a bit of an erratic mood, I think. I've been decided I really want to go away at the end of the year. And I nearly in like just like a bit of a manic moment last night, book flights to New York. And then I didn't, thankfully, because... That would have been ridiculous and I slept on it and they woke up this morning and thought, that was a lot.
0: I, I kinda love it though because my mind immediately goes to, we haven't really organized it if either of us want to travel, no. what we're <laughs> doing. <laughs>
1: I decided I was like, "What am I going to do for New Year's? I don't want to be in Australia. No one wants to be in Australia for no New Year's. No one. I'm going to be. go to New York." And I was like, "With what That's money?" That's really <laughs> like, fun, Sarah. Yes, yeah, so I think it's
0: inspiring that you, you all the skyscanner tabs on your laptop this morning. You no, were like it was, having a visceral reaction. It was, yeah. And I woke this
1: so morning. I was like, "You would be in financial ruin if you made that decision <laughs> last was, night." It's
0: like that. If I quit my job now, I could live for seven days comfortably before I died. If I retired today, I mean, it's not off the table, but we're going to put more thought behind it. We're not going to do it in an err one-night decision. But I think it's aspirational. Make a Pinterest board, get moving. That's what we're going to do. Let's go. All right, let's get into the stories. The Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum will take place on October 14 of this year. So, the date has been set and the trolling is in full swing as our nation heads toward the referendum on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament in less than six weeks, this means. Yeah. Five and a half weeks we're looking at right we, now.
1: We, I don't know if you listening would have seen, but we did put a reel up just from the back of our Q&A last week and I have never seen a more engaged comment section
0: in my life. Engaged is a really kind word that you've used there. (laughs) Engaged. (laughs) A lively comment section. (laughs) We love active participation in democracy. Anyway, so the latest update basically is that opposition leader Peter Dutton has also committed to holding another referendum on Indigenous recognition if the voice proposal fails and he wins government at the next election. He says he believes in constitutional recognition, but not the voice as it is divisive. So what we're looking at right now is a discussion around a constitutional change that involves recognition and consultation. So the voice part, the advisory body being the consultation. Yeah. He wants to strip it back and just have recognition inserted into the constitution. That's the key difference between what he's proposing and what's currently being proposed. Now, I also have included this morning's polling from the Guardian's Essential poll, um, which shows more people intend to vote no than yes at the moment on October 14th. The poll of 1,100 respondents was taken last week and the results indicate 48% intend to vote no and 42% yes, with 10% unsure. Mm. The no results for the Guardian's polling pulled ahead only last month for the first time, so this is the second consecutive month that the no has been ahead. Mm. What I find interesting, though, because this really relates to what we're talking about and what we're producing, is that people reported relying mostly on friends and family to give them information about the voice. So people aren't trusting the media, they aren't trusting politicians, they're literally having conversations with people in their lives about it. And that's why it's so important that we talk about it and break it down simply.
1: Because it makes sense that that is such a big part of it that people just don't trust the government mm. and fair enough.
0: Yes, I absolutely understand why. There's been so much misinformation from both sides and there's been Mm. so much misinformation also fed by the mainstream media. The reason it's divisive is not necessarily because the concept is divisive, but the way the information is being produced and spread is. I think that's really important to point out. It's not that necessarily the idea or the concept is dividing the nation, but the way that we're speaking to each other and the way that we're being taught to think about this is problematic.
1: And yeah, I think because there is so much misinformation, what we wanted to do with this segment and what I wanted to do with you is kind of rapid fire question what main points of contention or the main questions are around this and what the biggest myths are
0: that we can sort of try and debunk as succinctly as possible. Yes. As quickly as possible. So that you can have an understanding of how to converse about it yourself.
1: Exactly. So Mm. you can take this away and have these conversations, especially if that is the way that most people are getting their information. So go spread the word. Go (laughs) spread the good word. Here (laughs) we go.
0: Okay. First question. What is the voice to parliament? The Voice is a group of people that would give advice to Parliament on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And what are we voting on? So we're voting on whether we support an alteration to the Constitution that recognises First Nations people by establishing a voice to Parliament. It's a yes or no question.
1: Will it make laws?
0: No. So it cannot override government. It's not a third chamber of government. It doesn't have veto power. It doesn't create special rights. It's literally an advisory body that gives advice to Parliament on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
1: Okay, so how come it can't just be legislated then?
0: It has been previously, but they've been inserted and removed by different governments with different agendas. So the way they've been set up has been different, the way they function has been different. But basically constitutional enshrinement ensures it's not vulnerable to the whims of these political parties. It means it always exists, but the form it exists in can be changed over time to make it more effective.
1: Why would we need a voice when we already have Indigenous members of Parliament?
0: Parliamentarians are elected by constituents in their electorate. So they represent all Australians of a particular area that they are the member for. They make policies and laws for all Australians, not just Indigenous Australians. The voice should be an independent advisory body that isn't affected or influenced by political parties.
1: Okay, so what about this argument that there isn't enough detail, we don't
0: have the detail, if you don't know, vote no. Mm. We aren't voting on the detail because if we were, we would be cementing that in our constitution. And if we wanted to change that, if the voice wasn't functioning effectively, we'd have to go back to a referendum. So essentially what we're voting on is if we support the voice in principle. But if you want to see a proposal that's been endorsed by the Australian government and has been co-designed, you can at voice.gov.au. So if you want to access some proposed detail, you can. But that's not what we're voting on in this referendum. Will constitutional recognition cede the sovereignty of First Nations people? No. So the question that we're being asked doesn't relate to colonisation, native title or self-determination. That's not what we're being asked and that's not what we're discussing. The constitutional expert group advising the Albanese government has confirmed that the details of the current question will not cede the sovereignty of any group.
1: Okay, so what about these people that are saying that the Uluru Statement from the Heart is 26 pages long instead of just one page?
0: This is misinformation being spread by Peter Credlin. It is not a 26-page document. It's a one-page statement. It's 440 words. What Peter Credlin is referring to is she believes it's this hidden agenda that is being concealed from voters. It's not the additional 25 pages that Credlin is referring to. Are actually available to the public to read, and they're actually the minutes surrounding the context and development of the Uluru Statement from the Heart. So it's not the Uluru Statement itself, it's not this hidden agenda, and it's not these conspiracy policies she's claiming exist. You can literally access it online if you'd like. So, what
1: about people saying that it will end land ownership? Like, people, like farmers worried that their land's going to be taken off them.
0: Yeah, this is really common rhetoric coming out at the moment. This idea that we'll have to pay to go to the beach or pay to dig a hole or ask permission and all of this sort of stuff. It's misinformation. It's not what we're being asked. It's not part of the alteration of the constitution. And it's not what an advisory body would have the power to do because it can't override government or make laws. What people are misunderstanding here is that when the Albanese government was elected, they committed to implementing the Uluru Statement from the heart in full, which includes voice, treaty and truth.
1: On that, and I feel like these questions will be combined now, what is treaty? Because another thing that we're hearing is treaty before voice.
0: So a treaty is a binding agreement between two or more states or sovereign powers. It usually involves a period of negotiation where the parties make agreement on a series of points. We don't know what those points would look like because we haven't negotiated them yet, right? But I think that what we're talking about here is acknowledgement of the grievances of Aboriginal people, um, self-government, different aspects of... You know what I think it is? I think it's more likely to be that if the government wants to approve a mine site or, you know, they have to look at whether there's Aboriginal heritage listing there, they have to actually consult First Nations people and not blow up sacred sites. Like, I think it's actually more accountability in terms of how those processes work more than it's about farmers having their land taken. Do you know what I mean? That's not what's going to happen here. It's not that we'll have to pay to go to the beach. I think that's ridiculous and that's misinformation. We obviously aren't negotiating a treaty. and That's not what we're being asked at the referendum. I think it's really important to come back to this basis. If you're having a discussion with someone one treaty is not what we're voting on what we're voting on is whether we support a group that advises government on issues related to First Nations people that's it beyond that is a different discussion and I think it's really important that we come back to center with that conversation
1: hopefully that was helpful for some people sometimes you just need it succinct as possible and hopefully that That was that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we want it to be simple and straightforward so that you can have conversations about this with your family and friends because that's what's impactful here in this discussion. And you know, I also want to acknowledge that. The progressive no, I want to really combat this conservative no and the misinformation there, but I really want to acknowledge the power and strength of the progressive no and say that I think they make really valid points that we should all continue listening to. We should all be listening to First Nations people from both sides of this discussion. We should be remembering how we're conversing and it should be with respect. I, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge I will be voting yes in the referendum and I agree with the points of the progressive no and I want to continue listening to those. But for me... This is an opportunity to move forward and have potential positive change. And I want to support all of the First Nations people on the yes side who want to see non-First Nations people step up and support them. And so Mm. for me, this is positive, potential, impactful change. And I think that a no doesn't get us anywhere. But I think a yes gives hope.
1: I think as well, I wouldn't want to be the one to stand in a way. Mm. And to make that call when polling is still showing that 80% of Indigenous people want this yes yeah
0: absolutely even
1: if i don't agree that it's
0: going to be the beagle and end all that's not my position <laughs> yeah and i get that a lot of people say like why is this even up to us and i get that but we all have to hit the polls on the 14th of october and we all have to make our individual decisions and i think that should be an informed decision no matter how you're voting but i think that at the end of the day listen to both the progressive no and the yes campaign intently mm.
1: Despite what I'm sure were promises of two Christmases and nothing changing, Miley Cyrus is stuck facing the perpetual downside of being a child of divorce.
0: We can make that joke. I can make that joke because my parents are divorced, and I can <laughs> laugh at that joke because I am also a child of divorce.
1: Uh, and that's dark humor. <laughs> okay, pretty much, Tish Cyrus, Miley Cyrus's mom, got remarried, and despite Miley giving her away and being the maid of honour at the wedding ceremony, uh, a few of her children just blatantly didn't attend. Mm. Which is kind of like adding to the, like, there was already suspicions that there was a bit of a civil war brewing within the very famous family. But before I get into it, I kind of want to give a bit of a family tree because they're quite complicated. They, and oh, they're a huge family. Keeping up with the Kardashians. They could be. Mm. Someone should give them a TV show. No, I don't know, maybe not after reading all this. <laughs> so Tish, Miley Cyrus's mom, was married to Billy Ray Cyrus uh, for nearly 30 years before they announced their divorce in April last year. Obviously, we know Billy Ray Cyrus from Hannah Montana played her dad on the show as well. And Achey Breaky Heart. Achey Breaky Heart, Butterfly Fly Away. Oh, Slay Butterfly <laughs> Fly Away. I know. And then during their time together, Tish and Billy Ray welcomed three children daughters Miley and Noah, and then a 29 year old son named Brayson. Uh-huh. Noah sings one of my favourite songs of all time, ever, and that is July. Have you ever felt happiness? That song is tragic the, and I love I, it. <laughs> it's in my um, playlist, called about to drive my car Off a bridge. <laughs> 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 Sorry. It's a great song. It makes me cry. Um, We also know her as, like, Miley's little sister who would appear in her YouTube videos. (laughs) Brayson, I don't know. Apparently he has music out too. But that was not one I recognised as much. Um, Tish also has two older children, Trace Cyrus and Brandy Cyrus, from a previous marriage. However, Billy Ray actually adopted them back in 1993 when him and Tish first got married. Trace is Metro Station, if you need a reminder. Shake it. 17 forever. I loved Metro Station. Oh, I remember it blew my mind when I first realised that they were related because Mm -hmm. he is nothing like the Hannah Montana image. Like, he is the tallest, lankiest head to toe tattoos. Oh my
0: gosh. I remember seeing photos of him being terrified.
1: Terrified. Huge earrings, and like the spaces, and the like emo flick black hair. I was like, that is not my, I refuse to accept that as my ex brother. That like, also not, love Shake It so much. So <laughs> like, good. On top of this, Billy Ray also has another 31-year-old son named Christopher, which I had no idea about until I researched this. However, he does not have a close relationship with them and oh. is very much out of the spotlight. Okay, fast forward to now. Tish gets married to the Prison Break star. Random. I've actually never seen Prison Break, but people seem pretty excited over that fact. Photographs of the ceremony came out. You can see Miley, Trace and Brandy were all part of the wedding party. They looked amazing. While Brayson and Noah, Noah to be seen. Instead, as we now know because they posted about it, Noah and Brayson were together they went to Walmart and pretty much had, like, a little photo shoot together, like, and put it all over socials, like, making it really clear they're not at that wedding. To make it better, Noah's wearing a T-shirt with Billy Ray Cyrus's face on it. Like, it's, like, so strongly Team Whoa. Billy Ray. Trey Cyrus then got in on it and posted a very cryptic photo to his socials on the day of the wedding, which was like a framed old family photograph of him, Miley, Brandy and their mum, so the kids that were at the wedding as like their own family photo. And then the mum, Tish, reposted it with a bunch of love hearts. Oh, I hate this. I know. It's making me cringe. I know. Okay. That's the wedding. Doesn't stop there. Another fact that I think icks me out a lot that I think is playing into this feud is that Billy Ray Cyrus's fiancé, Fire Rose, is 33 years younger than him. Oh, God. 33 years. It was also revealed recently that they met on the set of Hannah Montana, which, if my math is correct, means that she was roughly 14 years old when they first met. Oh, Jesus. Like, I know she was like older when they started going out, but, like, oh, that's a big age gap. Age gap is a whole whole question in itself. I could debate that for ages. Icky though. They've also just, like Billy Ray and Fire Rose, have also just released a song together called Plans and went on Good Morning America last week to perform it and gushed over each other, saying they go together like peanut butter and jelly. I feel (laughs) ill. I feel ill too. I also want to point out that in the midst of all of this, as you've probably seen on TikTok, Miley Cyrus has come out with a new TikTok series, which is kind of was released in conjunction with her new single, Used to Be Young. Great song, by the way. Really heartfelt song. In the TikTok series, she pretty much timelines her life from like when she was born until now. And she does talk about her dad quite a lot in it. And she says that when she was born, like her dad had the number one country song in the world. Um, and she speaks really beautifully about her dad. And she gets really emotional when talking about it. And she said that he grew up opposite to her in many ways. And that's why their relationships with fame are so wildly different. And I, I thought, thought this was really interesting. And I thought, yeah, I thought this was really interesting. She said, when a crowd loves and adores her dad, it's like healing a childhood wound for him. Whereas she's always been made to feel like a star. So she doesn't need that in the same way. I thought that was so fascinating.
0: I just thought that was a really interesting video because she was talking – she was so emotional during the video. Like, she was crying in it. But I really liked that she was also talking about, like, the ego of celebrity and talking about Mm. how it's not normal for people, like, for – artist to tour for years and like the relationship between like audience and being observed and like as a star that's weird and she was so grounded about it and then comparing that to her dad but being so compassionate and being like that was everything for him but it was never everything for me and that's why I have a healthier relationship with it I just thought it was so fascinating this is a really good story this is such good coverage it's really good
1: it's really good I also I mean this is kind of a side note to the like family feud at the moment but i also thought it was really interesting when she spoke about that 2008 nude photo shoot she did yes because i remember when that photo came out pretty much she looks she looks like a child she, she is a child she, she looks is. very young and she's wrapped in a bed sheet and yeah. wearing red lipstick and like tussled hair and back like, bare back and this like K, and when this photo was released, everyone was like, what is going on? Like, she is a child.
0: It was really that, like, first moment of anti-Disney. Yeah. But also, hurt, like, isn't it that her family were on set?
1: Yeah, well, that's what she revealed in this TikTok series. She said, actually, her little sister, Noah, took the photo, like, sitting on the photographer's lap. She clicked the camera and the whole family was on set and exactly as we would have thought at the time, the point of the shoot was to be the complete opposite of what she calls, like, the bubblegum pop star Mm. image that she was known for and that they knew it was going to upset so many people. And then she added really brilliant choices from those people looking back
0: now. Interesting. Because I guess it did what it needed to do. I remember this photo so well. I remember, like, she had to go on 60 Minutes. She was doing interviews all the time because it was this massive scandal at the time, like, the sexualization of a child and, like, the ethics around it. I remember the story so clearly. Like, that Mm. photo is in my mind.
1: But, I mean, I feel like that was only the start because then, like, do you remember, like, Can't Be Tamed, her song? Oh, but that and was, she was years in a cage later. And she was dancing in a cage and everyone lost their mind yeah, over that too. But term. that was
0: years later. I remember, like, when The Time of Our Lives came out, that album, and that was the Can't Be Tamed, that was after Can't Be Tamed, I think. My mum was like, this isn't a Christian woman. I remember <laughs> my mum sitting me down and doing that and I was like, what? Like, I, who cares? It's Slay. Like, yeah, I just remember it being so controversial for years. Up until after that 2013 Wrecking Ball, We Can't Stop, period, Robin Thicke.
1: My thoughts on this whole story, going back to the family feud, is that it's just so, so sad. Maybe it just feels more personal to me, but I'm just... I think what's sad about this, more than anything, is when... In families that are going through divorces when kids don't stick together. I think that's what breaks my heart the most
0: because Usually the best part of the divorce is that you have a really strong bond with your siblings.
1: Yeah, that well that is part that you go either way. Yeah. I think. And, and I think when it goes tragic. when it goes the way that you are taking sides and then like becoming mini adults involved. Yeah. I think that's the worst part, and that's clearly what's happening. And it's so sad because Noah and Miley seemed so
0: close before I this. I believe that it'll all work out, though. Like, I'm very much of the belief that this is, like, that open wound period and that it will heal and it'll be okay. I actually I believe that. I know, but a wedding's such a big moment to miss. I know, but I, thi- I think it's just happened in quite quick succession, not to make mm. any judgment calls on anyone, but I just think it's quite fresh still. That's the update. <laughs> Employers who deliberately underpay their staff could face jail time under new legislation introduced to Parliament by the government this week. The coalition opposes the bill because apparently they think that's quite all right. (laughs) So the Albanese government has introduced numerous industrial relations legislative amendments, including its Closing Loopholes Industrial Relations Bill, which is estimated to provide Labor hire workers up to $511 million a year more in pay and gig economy workers up to $404 million more. Well that's a good
1: point because gig economy workers have pretty much no protections. Yes.
0: Yeah, because they're independent contractors so they don't have the standard like protections and safety at work that we do as employees. Mm but i wanted to first talk about what wage theft is because there's not really like a formal legal definition and i think that people think of like a boss breaking into your house and stealing out of your <laughs> bank account right it's not actually what it is so wage theft is generally described as employers who fail to provide their employees with legal entitlements but it's not just income it could be things like superannuation annual leave sick leave payments like if they're deliberately withholding or not paying you correctly the, basically, the legislative amendments that are being proposed would change that from it being a civil course in court to a criminal course of action. Mm. So they could face jail time or massive fines. Huge. Yeah. It's particularly prominent in the hospitality industry, in the retail industry, and with service workers like cleaners and security. So these are often lower paid industries too, which is where it hits people most. So... Some of the other changes are that under the proposed laws that have been introduced to Parliament this week, companies with more than 15 workers will be forced to pay labour hire staff the same wages as those engaged under enterprise agreements. So the Fair Work Commission will be given the power to make orders forcing employers to pay employees and labour hire workers the same amount. So what? is labour hire. So labour hire is a type of employment where a worker is hired from an agency for a short period of time. It's basically an employer... Okay, say me as Cheek Media, Mm -hmm. instead of employing you or some random at a full-time wage with superannuation and all of the benefits of like annual leave, sick leave, da-da-da-da-da, all the general employment entitlements, I would go to an agency, a labour hire agency, and say, hey, can you give me one of your workers for X period of time? And I would pay them. Oh, But the thing is, is that most of the time, labour hire is casual workers. So what happens is you've got casual staff that are working full-time hours for different stints. They're usually less trained in particular fields. So they're usually paid less and they're not receiving things like annual leave, sick leave, etc. Mm. In Australia, it's estimated that 600,000 workers are employed in the labour hire industry. So this is massive. Right? This is a massive wow. industry and it allows businesses like Qantas, which we're going to be talking about a bit later, to cut thousands of jobs and instead hire labour hire employees that aren't protected by union employer agreements. So what they have to be paid, the standard base rate is the award rate, which is lo- which is lower, right? Which is lower. So the entitlements are less, the standard wage is less. It's basically a big loophole, um, and unions have been calling for this like same job, same pay messaging, and that's what the Labor government is trying to implement. Something closer to that. Same job, same pay makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. doesn't it? Hollywood remains at a
1: standstill as writers and actors go on strike until the major production companies and streaming platforms agree to improve their wages and protect them against growing fears of being replaced by AI. Whew. Yeah. This... I mean, you've probably already heard about this because it's been pretty major and it's been going since May this year. But I wanted to talk about this because there is really no sign of this ending anytime soon. Like, I think they're now saying that maybe March they're predicting that oh, something will that's happen. ages. Yeah. It's not budging. So I think we're going to keep seeing this pop up. And we saw it pop up again this week because Selena Gomez got absolutely slammed. She essentially posted a photo... A series of photos from the set of Only Murderers in the Building, her oh, TV show. Oh, yes, yeah, with Steve Carell. Yeah, and yeah. she was, like, missing this at... <gasps> oh, so tone deaf. But then it kind of just gets swept under the rug. That girl could get away with anything. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but, like... Some people like her, like, very forgivable in the public eye, I find. It seems that way, because I I was thinking about this. If uh, If another actress had done that, they would be crucified
0: we love her we love selena maybe that's a hot take
1: but because i do love selena but i was like wow she no anyway i think that's a hot take it's a hot take anyway if you have missed this we're going to get into it for a little bit of context so this year alone hollywood has dealt with two of the biggest strikes in recent history right now almost all current tv and movie productions are being affected Affected productions include Stranger Things, Euphoria, Saturday Night Live, Deadpool 3, Gladiator, The New Avatar, The New Lion King, Hacks, The Handmaid's Tale, American Horror Story. Like, it goes on and on and on. Pretty much nothing can happen right now. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And many actors have been out protesting that you probably would have seen. They've been out front of the studios, Jason Sudeikis, Aubrey Plaza, Daniel Radcliffe. You may have also remembered the the whole lead cast of Oppenheimer actually walked out of their premiere as well. So that was Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Cillian Murphy, all walked out.
0: So can you just backtrack for me? So can you tell me who is involved?
1: Yes. So... Earlier this year, in May, the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, went on strike. Shortly after then, in July, they were joined by everyone in the SAG-AFTRA union, which is the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television Radio Artists. So SAG-AFTRA represents roughly 160,000 people in the entertainment industry. And that's even bigger when you then consider the WGA also already being on strike. So basically what's happened is that on July 12th, the contract between the SAG-AFTRA members and the major studios and streaming platforms expired and it was time for them to renegotiate. Unsurprisingly, the studios and the major platforms have refused to meet the unions with their with what they're asking for in a fair new deal. So they're at a complete stalemate.
0: What are they asking for, though?
1: So... It's fairly complicated, but I would say the two main things is improved compensation um, from streaming giants and incorporation of protections from artificial intelligence. So the artificial intelligence is really interesting and really important. And pretty much the unions have very real fears that it will replace their work. So essentially, if I could break down like three things – First thing is, writers feared that studios would start generating AI-produced scripts and that would then only need rewrites, um, which pretty much means that they could cut writers' rooms in half um, and only have a few writers just doing an edit on what would be an AI-generated script. Writers also wanted to ensure that their screenplays and their scripts and other material they've written in the past won't be then used to train AI systems. I know. Very
0: interesting.
1: And then this this is what blew my mind. So... Duncan Crabtree Island. Stop. Great name. (laughs) Great name.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Great name. I had to stop you there. Duncan Crabtree Island. Keep going.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) Duncan is the sag after chief negotiator and he revealed in a proposal he received from Hollywood Studios during a press conference, which honest to God sounds ripped out of a Black Mirror episode, he said... In this groundbreaking AI proposal that they gave us yesterday, they proposed that our background performers, so extras essentially, would be scanned, get a day's pay, and then their companies would own that scan, their image, their likeness, and would be able to use it for the rest of eternity on any project they want with no consent or compensation. Essentially, they can recreate you as and put you in the background of whatever they want then for the That's rest of time.
0: Terrifying. I know. Oh, that is black. It is
1: black. I'm pretty sure that is an episode. Yes. Yeah. And unlike um, voiceover artists, is another thing because they can replicate your voice with AI really easily.
0: My entire TikTok right now is Harry Styles AI covering Taylor Swift. (laughs) AI is yeah, Yeah. it scares me. Mm. I feel like such an old person when I talk about AI because I'm like, no. (laughs) But I think that people become so scared that they just tune out. But this is terrifying. I know. I know. So what can actors and writers not do during this strike?
1: Bringing us back to Selena Gomez, they cannot post and promote on social media. That's a big no. They can't do personal appearances. They can't do interviews in which they discuss their work or discuss projects. They can't do conventions, can't do fan expos, festivals, premieres, screenings, award shows, junkets, podcast appearances. Studio showcases, like, you just want to go to ground on this as much as possible. So Selena Gomez especially, and I think it's like, it's tough when you hear about the Hollywood strikes because you do immediately and you see these celebrities on the picket lines that are obviously A-listers or doing fine and you think, well, why do I care that much? They're pretty rich. It's not them. They are showing solidarity for their writers, for their production teams, for their background extra actors. Like, it's the whole industry getting a shake up right now, especially when you consider that the big execs have received pay rises (laughs) this year. (laughs) It's massive. Anyway, the latest in the story, about four weeks ago, the unions and the big execs did meet and everyone sort of had really high hopes that it would end it. Nothing came from it. The reality of this strike is brutal for actors and actresses, like, and writers, of course. Um, the Entertainment Community Fund has had to give out $5.5 million as of August 25th for things like food, electric bills, other necessities. Yeah. I mean, I bring it back and I think it's another, like, don't be tone deaf, Celine Gomez. This is, like, huge right now. I just think it's important to have your head around it because it's impacting internationally. Yep. And you're not going to get your movies when you want at this rate.
0: Yep. That's what we want. We want streaming services to get behind (laughs) these people so that we can get good content back. Literally. And I don't want creepy AI content. No, thank you. The final boarding call for Alan Joyce went out today, who announced his departure as Qantas CEO this morning effective immediately. Qantas boss Alan Joyce will step down from the helm of the flying kangaroo after 15 years as CEO, two months earlier than originally scheduled. After experiencing serious turbulence,
1: oh, you've outdone yourself! Oh, thank you. Turbulence, (laughs) final boarding call. So, your
0: best work. Two. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. It was good. Oh, hang on, I've got one more for you. Incoming CEO Vanessa Hudson will take flight on Wednesday. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I've really worked hard on that this morning. So in a statement earlier today, Joyce said in the last few weeks, the focus on Qantas and events of the past make it clear to me that the company needs to move ahead with its renewal as a priority. The best thing I can do under these circumstances is to bring forward my retirement and hand over to Vanessa and the new management team now, knowing they will do an excellent job.
1: So what were these controversies
0: Yeah, so much has happened. Hey, it's been an absolute nightmare week for Joyce. Last week, he faced a Senate committee and it went what can only be described as horrifically. Qantas has lost a significant amount of public trust in recent years, with the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission saying that Qantas was the most complained about company in the 21-22 financial year and the 22-23 financial year. There are just a mountain of allegations and controversy, so I'm going to run you through some of the big hitters and the key issues that were covered during the inquiry. Yeah. So, last Thursday, the ACCC also announced it was taking Qantas to the Federal Court of Australia, alleging Qantas advertised and sold tickets for thousands of flights that it had already cancelled. That um, is not. But hadn't removed from sale. So, they were charging people for cancelled flights and that they knew were cancelled. Yeah, and we're not talking like a couple of flights. The ACCC alleges its investigation identified that Qantas cancelled almost one in four flights in the period from May to July of last year—about 15,000 out of 66,000 domestic and international flights from airports in all states and mainland territories—in Qantas's published schedule being cancelled. So, the actual ones they're alleging were cancelled while on sale are about eight to ten thousand, I believe. That's mm. sort of being speculated—the actual number. But it's all an allegation so far, right now as well. Right. The accusation here is that Qantas is doing this thing called slot hoarding, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh you slot Oh you <laughs> slot hoarders. Which basically means that they are strategically scheduling and then cancelling flights to block competitors, to block rival services. Because they basically bid for different slots. Right. And they have to run, I believe it's an eighty twenty uh, marker to retain the slot. So they can only cancel up to 20% of the flights. So they're cancelling 10% or something. Mm. For this period, it was one in four, but overall it was looking like one in 10 over the past year or so. So they're
1: basically just baking these flights so that other airlines couldn't come in and take their slot.
0: Basically. Got it. If true.
1: If allegedly.
0: Allegedly. allegedly. You bunch of slot hoarders allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) So, So there's also this secondary controversy and during the hearing Joyce defended Qantas' right to do this, to have lobbied the Albanese government to reject a request from Qatar Airways to fly an additional 20 or so weekly services into four of Australia's major airports. Qatar Airlines' push was supported by state premiers, the tourism industry, and Virgin Australia because it would make airfares cheaper and promote spending jobs, the economy essentially, by having more competitors, brings fares down. Mm -hmm. Alan Joyce, in this inquiry, refused to say whether he had discussed the proposal with the Prime Minister or the Transport Minister. He also, interestingly, refused to disclose whether he provided Chairman's Lounge memberships to politicians' family members, cough, cough, the Prime Minister's son. <laughs> and I just think that's really interesting. But he actually said, in regards to his potential talks with the Prime Minister, that he hasn't ever disclosed about any conversations he's had with any of the seven Prime Ministers he's worked with. Right. Okay. So it's not like this is like a hush hush, it's like he generally that's doesn't a speak about this. Yeah. There's also another issue, which everyone's talking about, which is the flight credit issue. So in June, Qantas announced more than 500 million in COVID credits were unclaimed and would expire at the end of this year. But now a class action lawsuit is claiming compensation for the lost interest on the credits. R- the recent figures pushed the credits to be about 370 million remaining. But then it was confirmed during the hearing that this ha- this number, this figure, didn't include Jetstar or International. Oh, so they're lying about that? Well, they're not lying. They're not being transparent. Admitting. yeah, they're omitting important details yeah. to the tune of about hundred million dollars. Wow. So, Qantas announced after this all came out that they would scrap the expiry date on the remaining credit following all the public backlash, and customers could request a cash refund. Put this into the mix of high airfares, thousands of job cuts in this labour hire issue I was speaking about earlier. And a refusal by Qantas to hand back JobKeeper payments and government subsidies after recording a record $2.47 billion in profit in August.
1: Isn't that it? That's what's leaving the bad taste in everyone's mouth. Because Qantas was propped up by the government during COVID when no other airline was. Yeah. Yeah. And has received record profits since. Like they're earning more now than they did pre-COVID.
0: Absolutely, and they recorded like a 1.89 billion dollar loss during co- like one year during COVID. Um, like it was serious, and they probably did they did need the help to save the company. And it was it's obviously a very important Australian business. Yes.
1: Um. But but to t- just to not play fair, I think is if that is allegedly true, I think that's the bad taste because you've been helped. Why are you being such a
0: bully? Absolutely, and I think what is souring for people is that it's just a lack of customer service it's a lack of customer care and it's profits above all else exactly and I think that people also can see through the spin of this that when Joyce is being interviewed he's either just failing to answer any questions or he's spinning the story and it's like people can clearly see that you know I mean everyone has a baggage loss experience from Qantas in the past two years as well like it's just a really clear failure in leadership and the fish rots from the head down. Mm. So I think that this is a really bold – it's not a bold move. It's not a surprising move. He'd be pushed out the door. It wasn't his decision. But he had two months to go. After 22 years there and 15 years as CEO, it's a bit of a sad ending. But I think that the majority of the Australian public would say, like, he has tarnished the reputation of Qantas, which was a sort of beloved Australian brand. Mm. And the flying kangaroo has to fly once more. And I hope under a woman, Vanessa Hudson, will have liftoff. Joe Jonas and
1: Sophie Turner are absolutely 100% for sure getting a divorce, despite very little to support that claim. Oh my god, did TMZ report that? (laughs) Yes, actually. Okay, I felt like I had to include this story because it was everywhere. Every major news outlet was reporting on this. It got sent to us multiple times. TikTok's eating this up. The claim is, is that Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner are headed for divorce. And that would genuinely upset me because I quite like them as a celebrity couple and I don't usually feel much towards celebrity couples. However, I'm not that sad because I think everyone needs to cool it on the theatrics because the way outlets are reporting this as if it's 100% confirmed is sort of ridiculous. It is. It is ridiculous. Like, okay, for context, TMZ reported on Sunday that after four years of marriage together and two children, the two were on the rocks. And to be fair... TMZ has been right about a few things recently. Like, they were the first to break the Ariana and Dalton story. So maybe I can see why people would have, like, jumped at that headline. It was then followed by an article from People's Magazine saying that close sources had also confirmed this to them, which, again, is a little weird because Sophie and Joe have actually given People Magazine quite a few exclusives in the past and seem to have a pretty good relationship with them. Pretty much what People Magazine claimed is that they knew that Joe was sourcing divorce lawyers right now. But the big thing that caused concern in fans was that Joe had stopped wearing his wedding ring in a few of his shows. Nick also had taken over the crowd talking when usually they do it 50-50 and everyone's like, oh my God, he's grieving. He's not wearing his ring. He's not talking. And then Sophie Turner's friend posted a photo on Instagram of Sophie where she wasn't seen wearing her wedding ring. Everyone lost their minds.
0: Whoa. Yes. This is, I'm so glad. I didn't know about this 50-50 at the concert thing. I think that's hilarious for some reason. Yeah, I know. Like, what what like, a not strange talking. speculation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last piece of like the speculation puzzle was that the two sold their home recently.
0: So everyone's like, oh, oh I don't actually like gosh. this. These are the ingredients for a divorce.
1: I know, but okay. We'll uh, okay. get to it. People also, I mean, I, I don't know if I should go down this rabbit hole, but like, as it's being like reported and speculated people seem to think that if they were splitting it would be due to sophie's mental health issues which she's actually been really open about in the past and to do a little bit of like deep diving like back in 2019 she told the times about it which was like when she just got married to joe then and she spoke about her mental health in the context of her being so young on the set of Game of Thrones and I just thought it was really interesting she said having your adolescence being displayed in public that's something I really wish hadn't happened being in the age of social media when that's happening I think I would be a much saner person if I hadn't been documented from 13 your most awkward uncomfortable unsure of yourself years she then said that when her and Joe met she was going through a phase of being very mentally unwell and that he ended up having to give her an ultimatum he said to her I can't be with you until you love yourself. I can't see you love me more than you love yourself. And she said that was something, him doing that, I think he sort of saved my life in that way. Wow. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. And then she told The Times that they did actually once break up for a day before their Vegas wedding because of that as well. Um, It was the worst day ever, but, you know, back together. That same year, the Jonas Brothers released a song called Hesitate, which... Nick described as Joe's love letter to Sophie. And it is pretty much all about helping your partner through troubled times. It's a, I haven't listened to the song yet. But I'm I going, to I going, to. I going to today. You have sold the story to me so well. Okay. <laughs> However, as interesting as all the above is, and obviously that's what everyone is kind of like referencing and going back to, I still don't believe a word of any of this because he quite literally posted on Instagram one day ago wearing his wedding ring. And then he returned to the stage in Austin wearing his wedding ring again. And Sophie was spotted in the crowd last night. Oh. No, I know. This story is incredible. What <laughs> a maze you have led me through, Sarah. Amazing. And that's what everyone's doing. You're leading everyone through this maze just to be like, and nothing's happened. <laughs> like that is that is this story. Like, she was in the crowd, she was dancing. I will eat my hat if I'm wrong, but it seems like no one has a problem. Like, I think they're fine.
0: I will eat my hat! <laughs> I will eat my rat. And now
1: I, I had to talk about that whole story. What I wanted to talk about was Olivia Rodrigo's Slay Answers in the Guardian article. Oh, I should go and read that. You should go read that. The juiciest part of it is the reporter pretty much says, like, asking her about Vampire, her song, they were like, some fans think this is about Taylor Swift. Oh. And she kind of gives the most insane answer. Wait, I'm going to read it out because it's actually really this good. This is really fun. Yeah, so in the in the article um, they say, like, specifically that line bloodsucker, fame fucker, bleeding me dry like a goddamn vampire. Like, they were like, fans really believe that was about Taylor Swift. Because if you don't know, Taylor Swift took, I think like her and Paramore with, with the Good For You and then it was like the Deja Vu was after one of Taylor Swift's songs. I think they took in the end 50%, which is an insane cut. Yeah. And she said... How do I answer this? I mean, I never want to say who any of my songs are about. I've never done that before in my career and I probably won't. I think it's better to not pigeonhole a song about being about one thing. She laughs nervously. I was very surprised when people thought that. There are several songs about being gaslit by chaotic
0: older men. But I think that's at least a redirect.
1: I don't know.
0: I think she could have been like, oh, that's no. But she was I'm like... I'm so surprised. You know like, what I mean? I would like to see her answer that question. That's what I want. I want to I see it. The, the, the laughs nervously is the whole thing. I think she would have been giggling. Laughs, <laughs> nervously. Sweet.
1: But pretty much the whole article, you should go read it because it really does go through how much she gets sort of scrutinised for plagiarising songs and how sort of... And I think it's
0: ridiculous. But it's, it's actually a really standard practice. The way that they sample... It's Everything really is all reused. Yeah, to quote her song directly, yes, <laughs> like, no, but every like major song is like the same four chords.
1: Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about, and now I'm talking about a very
0: fine marriage. Apparently, no, I, I'm so sorry for sending you the <laughs> Joe Jonas story and being like, we have to do this. <laughs> now it's time for our Q and A segment. Now that we're done with the headlines, uh, if you have a question that you want to ask us, send it through to our Instagram inbox at Big Small Talk underscore Pod. But this week's question, I think, is very interesting. I'm very (laughs) passionate about it. Yeah. The question is, I am dying to hear your thoughts on what JB wore to Hayley Bieber's product launch party.
1: (laughs) I actually wrote this as a story this week, and then I got sidetracked by Olivia Rodrigo, and then I got sidetracked again by George
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jonas. I'm so sorry for all of the maze that we've been through. There's so many pop culture stories this week. There's so
1: many. And to be fair, with this Q&A section, we don't actually like to just do a story that's could have been its own story. We typically like it to be something else, but this one was just so fun. But
0: I like it when there's a story and the question is a bit broader and more expansive, but it relates to something. I think this does that well.
1: Okay. Essentially what happened is uh, Justin Bieber and Hailey Bieber went to a road, which is her skincare lines. Like They had a launch party for the strawberry glaze lip treatment. Um, it was at a Krispy Kreme in New York, but it was like a proper launch event and it's like a big deal for her. Okay? You are
0: such an expert. I love it. I just <laughs> simply love it. Anyway. It was, it was a big a, deal for her. It
1: was a big deal for her. It's it's a It was her business day yes. and she looked incredible. She like, did. She was in this tiny designer strapless red mini dress, stepped out of the car and was like, this could be her best look of the year. Behind her, oh, let me paint the picture. Justin is wearing grey jogging shorts. A grey zip-up hoodie without anything underneath it, and a pair of bright yellow Crocs. To take it further, if you're with me, he had the hood on and tightened over his face, so it was like sort of <laughs> just his little yeah. face. And then had a pink cap over his head, almost floating, like it's not on his head. It's like yeah. just like perched. You just above. popped it. You just yes. popped it on the top. Like it's a top hat. It's sort of like. A primary school kid would have. It then just, like, I started looking into it. There are so many instances where Hayley Bieber looks incredible and Justin Bieber looks terrible next to her. And I'm just like, I would murder. I would murder my boyfriend.
0: But there's this, I remember seeing this TikTok trend where people were like, we're trying to guess what event they're going to because they're completely differently dressed. (laughs) I know. But I think the, the question really is about, like, is it appropriate? Is it disrespectful? I would argue it's disrespectful. It, it is. Put on
1: like it's like if I was going out for dinner with someone and I've put on a nice outfit and then he's in
0: like board shorts. I would be like yes. fuck you um, mate. And this is far beyond just like someone who doesn't know how to dress. Like it's not that. Yeah. And I also just think like for me, I look at them and I go I would rather you stay home. <laughs> because it actually it feels shows, so know, disrespectful and it's so attention grabbing and just like inconsiderate. But then the flip side of the argument is
1: maybe he's just Adam Sandler coded, and
0: he's comfortable and Haley doesn't care and he can do what he wants. I don't know if I've just been brainwashed by what video footage I'm seeing, but it's beyond just the outfit. It's actually about the demeanour. Like his behaviour in every video I see is just like this sulky 12 year old. The other thing... I think is interesting and it could
1: be a little controversial to mention, but it's the theory that some people stop ageing at the age they become
0: famous. Yes, I remember Taylor Swift saying this in her Miss Americana documentary and she said she felt like that. She said that she felt that she had stopped ageing at that time and sort of was like...
1: Because um, you just get this warped perception of the world yeah. from there onwards. And she I said think. she's like
0: trying to play catch up now and like develop. It was really oh. interesting, and I think that's what's happened to him. Like I actually feel sorry for him. You know, I think that I think that the behavior he displays a lot of the time, and he has, you know, I saw him on tour a few years ago. He was great, but I could. It was so obvious he was unhappy. And mm. I just actually, I think there. I think what's hard about this discussion is that I have concerns for his mental health, and so I don't want to like shit on someone. But I just think for her as well, watching that play out on such a public stage is really awful. Mm. And so I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. she also just might not care at all. I just find that hard to believe. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know and I'm not in their relationship it's all my business, but it's fun to commentate. (laughs) It's fun
1: (laughs) to commentate. If anyone else has opinions on that, send it in. Send it in. Thank you so much for listening this week and please rate, um, review, review, follow, follow, tap tap the the bell. bell. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. See you next week. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.